They say that it can take a village to raise a kid, to have a business, to just get through life as a decent human being. But what happens when you are a business owner and a parent and a human, each of those identities with its own set of needs and wants and desires and challenges? How the hell do we balance all of these things? Or is it even possible? Layer on top of that global pandemic that has caused many of us to either work from home or leave the workforce entirely to take care of our children, it just seems that the emotional and physical load on parents or people with children is higher than ever. So today I've brought together three of my good friends, all of them parents, all of them entrepreneurs, to have an honest conversation about how are they doing, really. Welcome, parents, to this roundtable in which we are going to discuss things I know not of, having children, running a business, and doing all the really scary things that I think parents have to deal with on a daily basis. But I'm super excited to have uh, three of my closest friends here on Nikki Talks today to talk about parenting and children and entrepreneurship and how the hell y'all have been surviving this pandemic with all of those things happening at the same time. So to kick us off, we're just going to go around the table and have everybody introduce themselves. So if you want to share your name, your business, and uh, tell me about your kids, how many, how old, how they doing. So let's go first to my best friend slash sister-in-law. Yes, this is a bit, bit of nepotism on the show. Bex. <laughs> Uh, hi, I'm Bex McKnight. Um, my business is McKnight Inclusive Design. I'm the creative director, and I have one child. His name is Finley, and he's almost three. He is currently with a nanny, so the house is quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and he is my nephew, and he is the best nephew on the face of the planet. Thank you, Bex. All right, we're going over to Mr. Blake Fly. Hello there. My name is Blake Fly, and I'm married to my beautiful wife, Emily. We have a sweet little boy named Koa. He's currently one. And he's somewhere in this house with his beautiful mother right now. And in my world, I run an annual experience for entrepreneurs called Thank You Live. It is a 55-year-long event series where entrepreneurs get to look back on their year, celebrate their progress, and appreciate the people in their world by sending live gratitude. We do this once a year, and everything in my business is kind of related to that. Happy to be here. Psyched for this conversation. I love it. And as someone who has experienced Thank You Live many times, it's pretty dope and y'all should attend this and hang out with Blake. So thank you, Blake. All right, moving on over to Ms. Elia. Hi, Nikki. Thanks for having me. My name is Elia Finkelstein. Um, I am a funnel strategist and conversion copywriter, or as Nikki turned, termed me at one point in time, which has just stuck, copy godmother. Um, I have two kids. <laughs> I have a two and a half year old and a five year old who are currently homeschooling with their dad, who is stay at home dad and takes care of them most of the time. And I'm incredibly grateful, lucky, and privileged to have that happen. So, unless they go running through the house, that's what they're currently doing, which they must do. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. I feel like that's a theme for many people. It's like the kids are somewhere in the house, but things may go at any moment. This is a powder keg of an environment, and we just all have to be cool with that. And I'm cool with that. I know all of you are. So I'm really excited to talk about this because as I mentioned, I myself do not have children. I do have my sweet, sweet Nafu, 
Master Finley Flufus, uh, who is a great joy in my life. But it's not something I have direct experience with. You know, Blake Koa just turned one a few weeks ago. Bex, Finn is almost three. Elliot, you've got two running around the house, which boggles my mind with all the work that you do. So what what do you wish, kind of from like a, a top-line perspective, what do you wish more people knew or understood about being a parent and being a business owner? Blake, let's go to you first. I remember going to a conference a few years ago, and they had a, a big wall where it's like, what do you want to accomplish by the end of this year now that you're part of this community? And I wrote paid paternity leave on a post-it note and I stuck it on the wall. And I didn't actually have a, a number in mind, but I just had this vision of paid paternity leave, meaning whenever we had our first child, I would have been set up to ideally have two to six weeks where I didn't even need to think about my business. And it, it happened. I mean, it wasn't all perfect and smooth, but I was able to basically do maybe 5% of work for about a month when mm -hmm. Ko was born. And the rest was handled by some team members and even just some friends who kind of like stepped in for some things that I planned in advance. Mm -hmm. So I wish people anticipated that. And I'll speak specifically to fathers here because I've had a lot of conversations with dads who run their own business and they, and they go, Oh yeah, I didn't, I, I just didn't even think of that. I mean, I don't get a pat leave. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm running my own business. So even though I don't technically get one of those, I wanted to invent one of those, mm -hmm. even just from a mental point of view. And it was amazing to have about a month to just figure out what the heck life was as new parents and to then get to business later. And I would like to do that if we have more children in the future. So we'll see how that goes, but that's the game plan. Yeah, that's such a great point. Uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen with the first kid because it is the first one. So Elia, you have two, which again, blowing my mind with all the work that you do. <laughs> so what like do you think? Like I could not do it without my husband. Let me just say that like first and foremost, like that it would not happen without, he's a full-time caregiver. So um, I think like what I'm sort of hearing Blake say, but that I've just noticed for myself is like in my brain, there is zero separation between business and parenting. Like both live at the same time and I cannot turn on or off one in order for the other to exist. So it's like, if I'm in the business as much as I'm giving my clients, like if my kids run through the hall or somebody starts to cry or, you know, a doctor calls, like they have to exist at the same time. And I sometimes look at other people who are not parents and I'm like, gosh, it'd be really nice just to like be able to put my brain in just work mode and like get some stuff figured out. But like, that's never an option for me. It's just never going to happen because constantly my brain is living in two worlds at the same time. And like Blake said, like, I think more often than not, I have to take specific time off to actually just be in parenting all the time mm -hmm. like to take that time because they run at the same time all the freaking time and when my kids were little and like you know when I was nursing my daughter it was really really hard because every time she cried my entire body was like stop everything you know, it was not easy so I wish more people kind of understood that but like you know our brains are always going to be hardwired on both it's just the way it goes 
Yeah. And yeah, like the brain is wired. It's not like, you know, we think about traditional working hours when we have a job. I work nine to five. So I get up in the morning, I make breakfast, I commute, I sit at my desk, I come home, I make dinner. Like that does not exist with entrepreneurship, more so during a pandemic when most of us are at home. Bex, how have you found kind of that journey for you in terms of separating entrepreneurship from your identity as a human being, as a mom, as a business owner? you know, just as a person moving through the world when, like Elliot said, these things have to exist at the same time. Yeah, I think one of the biggest learnings for me, and I started my business um, when I was pregnant with my first kid, great time to start a brand new business. (laughs) Uh, And so then I took like a month off basically and started working again as soon as I could. Um, And I think one of the things I'm still coming to terms with, uh, with respect to like my identity as a parent and a business owner is uh, trying to come to terms with the fact that you are always going to miss things. And that's really hard. You're going to miss some of your child's firsts because you're working with a client. You're, you might miss deadlines with a client because you really want to take your kid to the zoo. Um, and that can really weigh on you because we're, the narrative we're told is that you have to be great at everything and you have to be present in everything at every moment. Um, and so trying to have like empathy for the identity that I am developing in both of those fields uh, has been a really difficult challenge. Uh, and I think that more people should be tuned into that and like be more self, have more self-compassion uh, when they're trying to navigate those identities. I think that's a great point. I think something we've really seen change in terms of a narrative is this idea of professionalism. You know, it's often brought up in terms of, I'll say, race. Uh, like black women's hair. And we've seen a lot of like litigation around what is allowed in a workplace and what is professional. And I think when, as it relates to parenting, we can see that as well, because many parents have said, I'm so sorry, my kid came into the back of our Zoom call. I'm so sorry, I'm taking a Zoom call from a park because my kid, like Blake, you and I have chatted many, many times on Zoom or on Facebook and you're out walking COA. So what has been kind of the response from from clients, from people you interact with when you're trying to work in a quote unquote professional environment, but you're with your children. Like Blake being a good example of, again, you and I have talked when you're out pushing Koa in a stroller. What's that? What has been the response from the people around you when you are quote unquote working in those types of spaces? I remember about a week into parenting, which for me isn't too long ago because I'm only a year into this so far. But a week into parenting, there was someone who's a friend of mine and they were launching a mastermind and I do daily live videos on Facebook and I kept that going all through the first year of parenting. But I said to her, hey, let's jump on Facebook live and we'll talk about your mastermind and maybe some people will join. So a week into parenting, I did that for about 20 minutes on Facebook and I sent a picture of Koa who was, (laughs) I mean, basically as fresh as he could be a week into life. And we just had these like funny little glasses around the house. So I just put the glasses on him and I was holding him in my arm, took a little picture and I sent her the picture in advance saying, I might be five minutes late. My assistant is just preparing the laptop. And it was just a little picture of a week old baby wearing glasses. So I share that story because I attempt to weave in the fact that I'm a dad, not in an in-your-face way, but just subtly. Like, yep, excited for our interview. Uh, My assistant is getting us organized. My friend now, 
realizes I'm with our son at that point, but I'll be there in a minute. And with brand new people who I'm working with, maybe it's a sales call, or even if I'm part of some like networking thing on Zoom, um, sometimes I'll even say in my Zoom name, like Blake dot, dot, dot with my sweet kid, sometimes in the background. So mm -hmm. it's just these subtle ways to acknowledge there, there might be some parenting taking place in mm -hmm. our interaction, but, but leading with that, because I find that then it's a great conversation starter. It's a cool rapport builder. If people don't have kids or are anti-children, maybe they're like, <laughs> uh, but that is a barometer for me because I'm doing my best to really surround myself with family oriented people, whether they're parents mm -hmm. or just aunts, uncles, grandparents. Mm -hmm. So I love weaving that in. And when I talk to you, Nikki, sometimes it was, Hey, let's not do a video call. Let's just stick to audio because I'm literally going to be like going up and down a slide with my kid mm -hmm. and video is going to be impossible, but I could talk for hours on audio while I'm doing that. Mm hmm. So Elia, I know one of the ways that you work is kind of in this, because of the work you do, you do need to get in like really deep with your clients. Like it is very thoughtful. It is very intentional work. So how is having kids at home while trying to kind of be in that I'm Elia, the expert wearing hat type of space been with you in terms of working with clients? Um, you know, it's kind of along the same lines as Blake, cause I'm pretty open about like I'm a parent. If I start a call and something's going on, I will tell my clients from the top of the call, like, Hey, like my, my clients all kind of laugh because I've got on top of the two kids, I have three little dogs that all stay in the same, in my office, two of whom <laughs> snore exceptionally loud <laughs> and freak my clients out all the time. They're like, what is that sound? It's my dog. I swear it's my dog. <laughs> and I also have, my husband has a bird who thinks she's a dog. And so if the <laughs> family comes home, the bird starts barking in the background. I'm sure you'll hear it at some point. Like she's really stinking loud. So my house is a zoo. Like it's just insane. So, you know, I do my best with my noise canceling headphones or whatever to like be in the zone, but I'm really, I'm really, really transparent with my clients that if something happens, I'm like, listen, here comes my family. It's going to get super loud. I'm going to pop out of flow. We'll come like, we're just going to keep rolling, but we're coming back, but I'm letting you know, it's about to be an absolute, you know what around here, like you're going to get a <laughs> taste of my life. And it happens, you know, the kids go storming down the hall and it sometimes takes me out of flow. And, but I'm just, I try really hard to just be super transparent with my clients of like, this is what's going on. This is just where we're at. You know, this is just who I am kind of thing. And my clients yeah. have been amazing about it. So I'm grateful for yeah. that too. Just have fun with the noise. Enjoy the energy <laughs> that's coming into yeah. the world. Yeah. Yeah. Bex, again, you know, before we started recording, we had your dog who is who is making her thoughts and feelings known. You've got Finn, you've got my big galump of a brother hanging around. And you also do a lot of client-facing work, but also a lot of very technical work in developing websites and back-end technologies and all of you know these things that kind of require this like I have this image of you like sitting on your laptop on, on the couch, like tip-tapping away like an evil scientist building these things. How has that been for you in terms of the client relationship with with all of the things I'm broadly gest <laughs> I'm gesturing very broadly behind me? How has that been? Uh, a challenge, like everyone else. <laughs> um, honestly, like Ellie said, like I am just so fortunate to have clients with whom I'm like I really feel uh, a strong alignment. Um, they are really, really supportive. Uh, they 
you know, everyone knows that Finn exists again. Like, like, like I'm very honest and upfront with people saying like, look, if you want to work with me, you got to realize that my dog's the loudest dog on the planet. And my kid sometimes really needs a hug. And like, those are just things that are going to happen moment to moment. Um, but also really like, because I have a toddler who is like constantly, uh, taking in the world around him, I really do try and take that like hot second when something happens to like sit with him in the moment. So if he comes busting in uh, on a client when I'm on a client call, um, he'll jump up on my lap and like I will literally just ignore the client for 30 seconds um, and just say like, hey buddy, what's going on? What can we do for you right now? Do you, and like try and get him to see that he has interrupted something. Um, so we practice interruption, like the concept of interruption with him um, so that we can drive attention to the fact that like sometimes mama has to work and right now you're interrupting so I'll be with you later um and not like freaking out about it like I don't like yell at him when he busts in the door like it's always very calm and half the time my clients want to see him and they want to say hi they want to talk to him I mean he's a pretty cute little dude he is um, a Gerber baby <laughs> child and I'm not just saying that because he, he's my nephew but yeah. he's, he's a pretty cool kid. And he's very vocal. And so he yes. likes to have conversations. Like he likes to say hi to people. Um, and I think like, that's really important to me too. I want him to feel like, like we're all in this together. It's not like mom goes to work and like ditches you. Part of what I love about working from home is that I get to be involved in his every day. And so I want to make sure he feels like I'm involved in his every day. Mm-hmm. Which I think Bex, that brings up a really good point about it's almost like uh, the the privilege afforded to you or the opportunities afforded to you as being an entrepreneur, especially one who works from home, regardless of whether or not we're, we're during a pandemic or various shutdowns, is that you kind of have that flexibility and, and freedom, I'll say, to kind of flow as much as humanly possible. But, you know, what do y'all feel has been kind of like, I'll say the best part of being a business owner and a parent? Like we talk about oh, clients interrupting, maybe they love it, maybe they don't. But if we were to look at like, I'm so happy I'm an entrepreneurial parent because what's coming up with that? Elliot, let's jump over to you. Uh, a bunch of things. I mean, what Bex just said for me is huge. Like the fact that I can hear my kids having a you know, meltdown or a really tough moment or need mom or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes dad's just no offense, Blake, but sometimes dad, <laughs> dad is just not enough. They need their mama. Like, so I None love taken. <laughs> agreed. <laughs> I love being able to do that. I love, you know, being able to pause and, and stop and be with my kids in a moment when they're struggling, you know, and we talk a lot in my family about how mom gets to go to work now and mom gets to build this life for our family. And that means mom gets to come out and play for 20 minutes kitchen. You know, we're going to play and uh, my daughter loves her little mini kitchen set. So we just sit and make recipes for 20 minutes in the middle of the day or whatever it might be. That for me, like that makes it totally worth it that I can do that. You know, there's other great perks too. I get to go to, I go I get to, try to go to every doctor's visit and things like that. Um, and, you know, taking vacations together that are on our terms, but really it's the little moments when I know they need me and I get to take that time to go be with them. True. So Blake, Koa just turned a year old a few weeks ago. So you, and you were already an entrepreneur when you had him. How do you think that that first year with him would have been different if you hadn't been like a self-employed entrepreneur, if you had been in that nine to five, what do you think that would have been like for you? Ooh, that's a, that's a curveball question. Cause the world, <laughs> the world is so remixed right now. So true. Oh, it's a great uh, way to put it. I just like that term. The world is remixed. <laughs> I'll, I'll respond to it with this, which is, I remember 
like the first decade of my business, I was a professional speaker. I mean, that, that was the business. I went on planes, trains, and automobiles, and I gave keynote speeches. I'd get on stage for an hour, come home. But that hour was usually a three-day experience away from home. And I, I remember saying to myself probably five years ago, like when the time comes that we have children, if that's what we get to do, I don't want to make money only by getting on planes. I, I, for me anyway, that felt like a, it, it wasn't a good equation. I'm kind of a homebody. I miss my wife. When I travel, my habits just get kind of sloppy. Like I, I don't eat as well and I don't sleep as well. So I just get thrown around a little bit. And so I basically rebuilt my business from scratch about a year and a half before having kids. And that wasn't a pandemic response. That was a proactive parenting move. But then you threw the pandemic in and I was like, oh, interesting, interesting. <laughs> so if I was a nine to five person with a child in the first year and we weren't in a remixed world, I think it would be really challenging for me because I wanted to design a business and a life where I could be around as much as possible. Not so that I never missed a moment because kind of like Beck said, I mean, I might be in the basement and my kid learned to walk upstairs like, oh, shoot, I missed the moment. <laughs> but more so that really I can decide how time moves. And mm -hmm. so even right now, because I don't get on planes, trains and automobiles as a speaker anymore, not because of the pandemic, but because I've just really pulled that part of my business back. I don't have to say, hey, Emily, um, I have a speech next week on Thursday at four in Iowa. So I'll be gone Tuesday to Friday. That just for us anyway, would really jack up the home, the home life that week. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I can basically determine what hours I'm in work mode and what hours I'm in home mode. And Emily currently is in a, in a mat leave, which is awesome. And we're grateful for that. It's made up mat leave, by the way, she has her own business. So, I mean, it doesn't really mean anything, <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing to know that I can design time instead of say, well, I got a gig. So this is how this week looks. This is how that week looks. This is how this week looks. This is how that week looks. And we're going to have to mm -hmm. figure it out. And sorry, but at least, you know, that's how we get paid. I didn't want to operate from that place. For some people that works great. For me, I didn't know if it would. So mm -hmm. I basically just shifted the game plan before parenting came almost to make like a nine to five life for myself, but from the basement. <laughs> <laughs> I just, one, I just love the term remixed world. I feel like I'm going to use that because it has like, you know, it's a DJ connotation. It's like a dance party remix. This is so much more delightful than the actual <laughs> shithole many of us are living in right now. But Bex, when we talk about a remixed world and y'all have brought up your partners, your spouses, what kind of support network have ha, have you found that's been the most helpful, useful, beneficial, literally supportive since Finn came along? Uh, well, raising Finn actually has taken a village um, <laughs> between he so he turned one uh, two weeks before uh, we went into lock the first lockdown in Ontario. 
Um, and so, I mean, I've relied on Nikki so hard. She's the best aunt in the whole world. (laughs) She babysits, she comes over, she hangs out with Finn. Um, Nikki's parents, my in-laws as well. Uh, they spend half the year here and half the year in Florida. When they're here, they're with Finn every week. My mom has stepped up and come down. Um, my aunt and uncle have stepped up and come down, uh, to where we live really like even just our, some of our friends around here were so quick to be like, I'll take Finn for an hour. Like go take a shower. Um, I, you know, I have a, a wonderful supportive partner, Nikki's brother, um, and he's in, he was in full-time school and now he works full-time. And so just, it's a constant balancing act. So there's the physical aspect of like, who is watching the child, uh, and caring mm-hmm. for him. Um, and then there's like the emotional aspect of like, who has been emotionally supporting, um, my partner and I through raising a child. And I would say it's largely a lot of the same people and some wonderful people I only know digitally, like Elia, um, <laughs> who we can like easily just dump on each other in Instagram when we're having those really <laughs> rough moments. And I think one of the most lovely things about social media, uh, is like, you know, Blake sharing funny pictures of his kid and like Elia being like, well, today didn't happen. Um, so just to like, keep it really human because it's so easy to just fall into the trap, especially during a pandemic when we're all in isolation of feeling like everything we're going through is happening in isolation and no one's struggling the way that we are. Um, no one understands what we could possibly be going through. I think, especially as business owners, like try to now balance the working from home, working with kids, uh, aspects. So I say it takes a village, but also a village who have the same values as you. Everyone in our circle really stepped up when I said that I wanted to parent Finn differently uh, than the way I had grown up to learn what that meant, to learn the language, to learn how to talk to him um, in ways that we were trying to um, elicit with him, like leading with empathy and a lot, I think a lot of people would not have, if they didn't love us so much, uh, probably <laughs> wouldn't have taken that kind of time to just learn. Like, you know, we sit down, Finn's favorite book is A is for Activists, which I just think is like the most lovely thing. Um, and like, he wants to read it with other people. And that's not something I think you find every day. So taking, yeah, it takes a village. He's a pretty active little kid. <laughs> he's very active. And now that he's ver- more verbal and moving, he is a he is a chatterbox and a half, but he's vastly entertaining. Yeah, I he's guess. obsessed with learning about pronouns right now, too. So we're having a lot of really deep conversations about pronouns with our two-year-old. He likes to, like, relabel things all the time, which is just, like, fascinating to watch, uh, watch develop. But Children are so fun. But I think, Bex, you brought up an interesting point about, you know, what I would define as maybe traditional parenting and traditional support has always been who is more closely physically located to you. And as you mentioned, social media, Zoom, video chats, this is very much changing. So Elia, how have you kind of seen your support network over the years of having your kids evolve, change for the worse or for the better with the addition of like me and Bex, we've never met you in person, but now we've known you for maybe two years. But how have you found like the digital aspect of this impacting or changing your own uh, version of what support means to you? You know, it's interesting. So when I had um, my son in 2016, we had, we knew zero people. We had no support. Our, we were living by ourselves. We had nobody around, nobody to watch the kids. No, like we had nobody. It was just my husband and I were both working at that point in time. So I was working and raising a baby at the same time. And he was out of the home all day long. It was nuts. I mean, and I had one really close friend, um, that I could be around, but I relied heavily then on, you know, digital interactions, just so much. And I think, you know, what Becca said, just 
normalizing and seeing other people who are like, I totally expected today to to go one way and my child decided it was going to go another way. So guess which way we went today? Like that, (laughs) that was, it's huge for me. I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, now for us with the remix, which I love, it just turned the pandemic into a party. Um, <laughs> Let's get the glow sticks out. It's like <laughs> it's so great. Um, you know, with that, like I, my family's in Canada, and I'm not in Canada, and so my kids have primarily. I mean, my daughter's two and a half, so for the last two years, she's met my parents once when she was tiny, so she knows, you know, her nana and her Zadie over Facetime. That's how mm-hmm. she knows them. So it has really changed things, and we have people, you know, also locally, like we can literally walk to grandma's house, great grandma's house and the aunt is around the corner, but we weren't seeing each other most of last year. So all that being able to connect, but then really just like people out there who Bex said, like Bex and I have had conversations about potty training that are flipping hilarious that I'll never forget. (laughs) And I'm like, thank goodness somebody else is dealing with this. Like that just makes all the difference in the world. It does. I just like the idea of like that, that code switching happening in y'all's brains. Like, yes, like serious business strategy and development. Let me tell you about potty training right now. (laughs) Like I just really admire the fact we all contain multitudes and isn't that beautiful. All right, here are your fun facts for this episode. When it comes to business founders, 54% of women founders still provide the primary care for their children. Male founders, 37%. When it comes to children, the majority of mothers are working the equivalent of an extra full-time job of running their business. 30% of mothers spend 50 plus hours a week on childcare compared to 10% of fathers respectively. In an article from 2017, the Forbes Coaching Council summarized the challenge of building a business while raising children as both require near constant nurturing and attention to be successful, especially in their early stages. A survey from December 2020 found that half of remote workers with children under the age of 18 have found it super challenging to get through the workday without interruption. If you're a remote worker without children, your chance of being interrupted is about 20%. The pandemic has had a huge effect on reducing parent participation in the workforce. From a period of September 2019 to September 2020, 5.6% of mothers left the workforce and 4.9% of fathers left the workforce. The reason for many? Having to provide childcare. The participation of women in the workforce in particular has been described by some as the first female recession. From February 2020 to February 2021, in the U.S., women participating in the workforce dropped by 2.3 million. Men, 1.8 million, left the workforce. So, Blake, one of the things you said earlier and, you know, for for as we're recording right now, I can see all of them visually. You have this really kind of epic corner of your basement set up for your workspace. How have you kind of been able to all say, you know, we talked earlier about maybe energetically able or not so much to separate work and parenting. How do you find having like that workspace or that, I don't know the right, you know, this is, this is the professional Blake space 
kind of maybe helped you in terms of like how you spend your day to day? Is it helpful or is it just like, there's no separation koas under my feet in a bed right now as we speak? Currently where I'm standing is what I refer to as the business bunker. So I am (laughs) in the unfinished basement of our home. And so most of this space is, is just a concrete basement. And in certain areas of it, I've just set up like a a table, little shelves, and I've literally like put up some curtains and things to section off this basement, but it is a concrete unfinished basement that my wife never wants to enter into because it's like (laughs) the basement in home alone. She's like, I have have no reason, like I have no reason to go there ever. It's like a furnace and cables to my computer. <laughs> and similarly, our son is currently one. I mean, he's been down here a couple of times, just like I'll bring him down to get some stuff, but no one comes down here. So mm-hmm. currently I'm in a fortunate situation where it's, it's quite easy to physically section it off. I still hear some sound and things above me, but that's going to shift as Koa gets moving more. And as his footsteps get louder above mm-hmm. and he starts just talking more and making a lot of noise, but currently, yes, physical separation does work pretty well in this house. If we have more kids, I mean, it's all, it's all going to just change. We talk about the remix here, which apparently is a thing. Now I'm realizing (laughs) it's a thing, Blake. (laughs) I'm realizing that it just all changes. Like by the week, this parenting thing, it's, it's like, Oh sweet. We've got a plan. Therefore Mm -hmm. let's burn it because (laughs) it's going to, Y'all didn't see this, but all three of them just started <laughs> nodding heavily when Blake yeah. <laughs> So I feel like the separation is, is working well. Um, and also, it, it's fun for me because we used to live in a place while Emily was pregnant that I thought would work. I'm like, yeah, we got space. But she was a huge advocate on like, we got to get out of here. I'm like, what? We got, we got, we need to get out of here. But what it's, we had like narrow staircases and we'd be sharing a lot of rooms. And so we, we relocated a couple months before we became parents. And to her credit, I mean, there's, there's some breathing room here that we just would not have had if mm-hmm. we stayed in the last place. But I think digital separation for me is, is the exercise. Cause I mean, I can work on a bench in a park if the weather's right. Like I, I literally sat on a rock one day and took about eight conference calls. And my wife was like, I don't, I don't understand how you can do that, but it's the digital separation that I need to really step up in because if I have my phone on me as good of a dad, as I think I am, I stare at it. I I'm like totally not looking at my kid. I'm looking at my phone a lot of the time. And I'll take out a phone to take the picture of like, oh, sweet moment with Koa. And then I'm checking a text or I'm checking an email. So -hmm. the number of times I physically take my phone and just sort of chuck it 10 feet away so it lands on a couch and I can't get it. I probably do that at least once a day. Mm -hmm. Bex, when it comes to like technology and separation and workspaces, how has that changed for you in, in the pre-remix times, like the original deep cut EP versus, the there you the go, pre-mix. the pre-mix, the, the pre-mix, pre-mix to the remix. How has that, <laughs> how has that changed for you? Uh, 
Well, I mean, it's funny because I, the stage that like Blake is in right now, like I remember like having a one-year-old and Chris and I often reflect on the time where we could like literally leave Finn on the floor and be like, he'll be there in five minutes. I'm going to go do this thing now. Um, and that is just not our reality anymore. And so the physical separation is tough. Like we don't really have a place where I can go and work if Finn is in the house because he just wants to be with me. And so anything that really does require that kind of deep thinking happens after he goes to bed or while he's with a nanny or anything. And I just have to kind of schedule my life and my client work around that. Um, and the digital separation is virtually impossible. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I think to Blake's point, if you pick up your phone, you're going to be doing one of two things. Actually, one of three things, I would say. You're going to be working. You're going to be parenting with the phone, uh, whether that's like Googling something furiously because your child just ate Play-Doh and you don't know if it's toxic or... Um, <laughs> Or you're going to be trying to like connect with another parent being like, I can't believe this shit is happening right now. Um, Or I think the third thing is you're going to be trying to just like zone out for 12 seconds to give your brain a break. Um, And I I find that, yeah, like if I have my phone on me, if I have my laptop near me, um, it's it's that always ever present feeling of like, well, even if I'm just sitting here playing with Finn, I should be doing something. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should check in on this. I should see if those ads are running. I should see if that thing is crawling yet. Like there are so many different shoulds that at least like go through my brain. And so that's a a struggle I think I've had right from the beginning is how, and I've like, I've tried different things like putting timers on and stuff, but I mean, you just, I find at least that that's not flexible enough for the kind of life that we live with Finn. And then I stress about the timer going off being like, Oh, but it says I only had 10 minutes, but I need an extra two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, I'm working really hard on just being present in whatever I'm doing at that moment and not like giving myself shit if I can't. So if I want to take a picture of Finn on my phone, I'm going to like be present and try and really focus on taking a great picture of him. And if I need to go check on some ads, I'm going to give him a toy to play with for two minutes so I can focus on doing that. Um, And that's been helpful. But I think especially working from home during a pandemic, like it's basically impossible. The digital world is how we also connect to people. So So I'm going to I'm going to focus on the moms here for a minute because we've heard a lot recently, again, especially during this remixed world about what is potentially the first ever women's recession in that so many women are leaving the workplace in order to stay at home. They, you know, become the primary caregiver. We've seen millions of women leave the workforce in the last, say, two years now. So for the moms, for for Elia and Bex, when we think about, let's call it the emotional labor that is typically associated with moms, whether you yourselves experience it or not, how has that impacted how you approach your business and how you approach being a parent, like being the mom in the house. Oh, that's tough. It's just tough. Like I, I think about this a lot. Like, you know, I, like I said, you know, one of the first things I said about, I don't think there's much separation for me is we've gotten really good. I'll say this. We've gotten really good in our house about the parents taking timeouts because things can get really emotionally like in my house is very, very small. Um, there are four very emotional people in this home. There is a lot of stuff that goes down. There are a lot of people bouncing off of each other emotionally at all times. Um, and so I think it really is about like, you know, being really gracious with yourself. And like, I try to just be like, we are in a lot. Everybody's having a lot of emotions right now. We are in an ocean of emotion. Mom needs a timeout. 
I'm taking a time out and I will, like I will go just close the door in my bedroom or walk away or whatever. And I, I think you've gotten a lot better about that because I don't think there is any way to balance any of it. It is, it's just huge. It's a constant, I mean, moms, dads, parents, caregivers, whatever, like everybody's just going through a ton of emotion right now. And I don't think there is really any way to balance it except to be like, what do I need in this particular moment? And sometimes like yesterday for me, it was honestly like laying face down on my bed in the dark and dad being like, nobody go in the bed. <laughs> like, Let mom be, just give her five minutes. And we will. Like the kids don't get timeouts. Like they get emotional timeouts where they can be like, I need an emotional timeout, but we don't use timeouts as a you know behavioral thing mm-hmm. at all. Time out in my household is like, I need a time to myself to quiet my nervous system, take a minute, take a breath, calm down. So I think that's the only way we really handle it. <laughs> and I do that with my work too. I'm like, I need a <laughs> time out. So that's, that's really all we're doing. Yeah. Bex, what about you? No, I think that's so interesting because you're like, I need an emotional timeout. I actually call that a time in. And so like, I will often ask Chris, I was like, nope, I need time in. I need time in my body. I need time in my own space. Like I need things right now that are for me. And you need to take that kid anywhere that is not near me. Um, so you take him for a walk, you take him to the basement. Uh, I, yeah. And I think the, the organizational load uh, is one of the things that weighs, I think, on a lot of mothers very heavily, more so, I would say, even if you are also in some sort of uh, primary breadwinner role. And that doesn't necessarily mean money, but like the person who provides more for the family in whatever capacity mm-hmm. that means for your family. Um, with my husband having been in full-time school and then working full-time, but a night shift, like that absolutely has fallen to me in the last like two or three years. Um, and so not only am I the one who has to like get Finn up ready for school dressed because Chris is sleeping because he works night shift. Um, and then I have to get him off to school. Then I have to run my whole business all day until Finn gets back from Montessori. And then when he's back, I have to be present and be a mom. And then it's like, Oh, Hey Chris, okay, you're off to work. Bye-bye. Um, and so that also means because I'm around more, I am organizing the groceries, organizing the play dates, like making sure the bills are paid, like doing all those things, those day to day things that you just somehow, I guess, find time for. Um, and there is a lot of like failure narrative, I think, wrapped up in that when things mm-hmm. aren't happening. Um you know, I think my partner, Chris, and I have like really excellent communication. He is great. He's better than I am at recognizing when I need a break. And so he Mm -hmm. often is the one who instigates being like, you're getting a time in, go take a bath. Um, (laughs) Which I'm so, so grateful and fortunate for because I do kind of get wrapped up in the spiral of everything that's going on in the day and forget that I'm also a person who has to operate in that day. Uh, But yeah, I think the the emotional load the organizational mode um is yeah a real challenge um i it's so funny that like i think that's one thing that ellie and i really like uh bond over is just like how much shit has to get done every day all the time and even when you have support sometimes it can feel still really isolating because you're not you might not be the default parent for your kid you might be but you might not be and so you know when Elliot said earlier like sometimes they just need their mom like I happen to have a kid who sometimes just needs their mom and for other kids that's their dad and that's great but if you are the person the the person who is always the default needed one and the person who's responsible for the day-to-day things and the person responsible for being the breadwinner like that that really weighs on you over time and so making Mm -hmm. sure that you do have support systems set up I think is so important. Yeah, I, like, there's been a lot of, I'll say, like rhetoric or, you know, uh, writing and stories out there about, you know, they often tell the story of, 
you know, the honey do list. I think that's something we've all heard of. It's like, here's the list that I give to my husband and he just does it. But then the husband's like, where can I find this? Where's this? Where's this? And the woman just like, dude, just go look for the damn thing. I don't have time to mentally organize all the shit that's in my head where you can just go take 20 seconds and find the stupid thing. Right. So I think, yeah, go ahead. I I was just going to add Nikki, like that's a hundred percent my current reality because my husband is primarily in, he's the one responsible for the home. He does the grocery shopping. He does the laundry. He does the dishes. He does the teaching. He does the cleaning. He does all those pieces. But I've had to let go of my standard of those things because we are not the same in standard. And I either hold a load of resentment and anger that, yes, the dishes got done, but you loaded the dishwasher wrong, or I got to let go of that shit. Like we, and that's been a huge thing for me because I think like what Bex has been talking about in terms of like, like there is so much of this narrative and rhetoric around how like women are supposed to keep the home. And I'm like, but I'm not keeping the home. My husband is, and his standards are just different than mine. And I've had to let a lot of that go. Um, Cause it was causing problems. Like it was really causing problems that I was like, how, why are you not separating the laundry? I don't understand. <laughs> like whites do not go with jeans. And he's like, listen, I'm doing They're the clean. laundry. So eventually I had to be like, yeah, okay. So it kind of is this thing that at some point you just have to like step back and be like, what can I, what is actually worth my mental capacity right now? Like what mm-hmm. is actually worth being upset about or emotional about or whatever. And that's been really freaking hard in my, <laughs> for me for the last year, year and a half. It's been rough. I always yeah. laugh that the dishwasher is like the thing that comes up. Cause especially Bex knows in my family, there is a way to load the dishwasher and my father taught me and I, we all teach you. The, and if the dishwasher is wrong, my dad will unload it. So uh, sidebar, but I always just really enjoy that. Like the dishwasher is the thing that the can be the, funds. But the dishwasher <laughs> is the first thing your father and I ever bonded over when I first like came to your house. Cause he's like, you're the only person in the world who loads it the way I do. I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, soulmates, Wayne. Soulmates. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah, dishwasher. That's my thing too. If I go to someone's house and I'm like, your dishwasher's loaded wrong, I get anxious. But that's just my that's just my stuff. For um, record, there is a right and wrong way to load there a dishwasher. Is a right way it's in way. the manual for your dishwasher. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Before we move into wrapping this up, I guess one final question for all of you is. You know, we've been talking about the remixed world as it currently exists with your children the way they are now. But how do you see the future with your business, with your kids as we get into the next three, five, ten years? What do you see on the horizon, Blake? Oh, awesome. I'll I'll be the lead futurist on this panel. <laughs> um, I said this to Nikki one time. I, this is what's coming to mind right now, which is that I said to Nikki, my goal is to build a, a multi-million dollar business from sitting under a tree on my phone. Yep. And the reason why is because in that picture in my mind, family can just be be there. Like we can be playing, we can be doing things, we can be going places, we could be with grandparents, cousins, friends, neighbors. So the future in my mind is how to just pull that off where it's it's a really awesome business and career where I'm just kind of running it off my phone and there's a wicked team that's excited and feeling nourished and supported and the family can thrive, not because it's business before failing, but because it's failing before business. And as we're seeing right now in this remixed world, I mean, the least important thing is where we work. 
Mm-hmm. And the most important thing <laughs> yeah. is those choices that now come from getting to kind of work wherever, which is usually home. But I would like to make those next five years around how could I do really great things in my career while sitting under a tree on my phone and all systems are firing where the family comes before the business, but the business is is really flourishing, not kind of like fragmented in between mm-hmm. figuring out parenting and figuring mm-hmm. out the juggling because I'm still super new at this parenting thing, but I know it changes by the seven hours. So I'm ready for <laughs> what's next. And by saying that, that's actually a lie. I'm not ready, but I'll I'll become ready. You'll make it for work. Whatever's next. Yeah. Yeah. Elia, what about you? What is your crystal ball showing you? Um, I think along the same lines as Blake, like I would love to, you know, a big focus for me in the lap in this next year is not building a business out of a place of survival. Like I've had Mm. to survive. Like I pay all the bills, right? Like, and it's been, it has been a lot of hustle and it has been a lot of figuring it out as you go and bootstrapping all of it. And I'm finally at a place now where I can actually like look at the whole business and be like, how do I want to create this in a place that supports my whole family? Like not just me, not just can I pay the next bill, but like how can we make space and time for our life where we're living our life? And maybe that's an unrealistic expectation. I don't know, but like that's the goal or the hope that someday we get to a point where the business is running in a way that, you know, does support the family, but the family is supporting the business. I don't know. It's like this back and forth kind of thing where it doesn't feel just out of survival. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. That's all I care about. <laughs> yes. We, we are thriving, not just surviving. Bex, what about you? Uh, I've always said one of the things that I I really hearken in my business is that I got into working for myself so that I could help people be better humans. And that's kind of like the language that we use. And with Finn, I get to kind of show him how I'm actually doing that every day. It's why I like when he comes and joins my calls, because you never know what they're really picking up on. And like, I can see those like little like sparkles of empathy in him developing. Um, And so I hope to be able to build a business that he can be involved in if only through learning and watching like I want him to take that kind of ethic and grow it in his own right um yes it would be great if my business could like fully support our family and we could travel we own a 1987 Westphalia and we could like travel around in it and like be the you know live that digital nomad life um but more than anything I think I I really want to build a business that um that helps people and I you know, we always talk with Finn about like, we're a team, we're doing this as a team, our family is a team. Um, And we all bring different things to that team, but we're all valuable parts of that team. And so I really hope that when I look at him, and he looks at me, he's like, yeah, like, I want to be a part of mama's team. And mama goes to work to help our team. Um, And he wants to find how he can help our team. Oh, that's so cute. All right. So we're going to move into the close now, which is our lightning round of questions. So there are four. I'm going to ask one. All three of you will answer and then we'll move on to question two. So question number one, if you were going to a dinner party and you got to choose the topic of conversation for everybody for the entire night, what topic are you choosing? Blake, what are you, what are we, what are we talking about? Marital dynamics. Ooh, that's a very fun one. Elia, what do we got? First love and first loss. Oh, damn. That's deep. <laughs> <Whoa>. Bex. <laughs> oh, my God. I had nothing like that. I was going to say, like, uh, something along the lines of the worst movie you've ever seen and why. Ooh, see, I enjoy this. Again, we're contained multitudes here. All right. 
Question number two. If I were to give you a stage and a microphone right now and said, head on up, give a five-minute talk about something not related to your day job, what is your talk about? Elia? Um, natural horse hoof care. Oh, yes, you are a horse girl. She's got the horses. <laughs> tell you all about how to take care of those feet. <laughs> there you go. Bex, what are you talking about? Uh, why Jurassic Park is the most defining movie of the last hundred years. Yeah, agreed. Thank you very much. Blake, what have you got? The lessons I learned from voluntarily living in a nursing home for a week. Ooh, I feel like that should be a Facebook Live video because I would like to hear that story. All right, question number three. Who is your favorite talker? Bex. Define that. Um, who do you like to listen to? Who do you like to hear speak? Who do you find really interesting to listen to so that when they talk, you're like, Ooh, I like oh, this. Uh, can I pick Blake? And if not Blake, <laughs> um, <laughs> like I would really pick Blake. Um, if not Blake, I would pick the two amazing women who do, uh, the podcast, um, my favorite murder. Cause I think they are hilarious. Ooh, yes. This is for all you murderinos out there. <laughs> Blake, yeah. what about you? Who do you like to hear talk? Maybe this is a default, but Koa is learning how to talk right now. And it's the sweetest thing ever to just see words attempt to be formed. It's like (laughs) heaven to my ears. Oh, I love that because a lot of your videos also feature Koa holding like a news mic. So I can't wait for the day that he actually starts speaking into that. (laughs) Elia, what about you? Um, I've got to. I love anything Adam Grant has to say. So mm-hmm. he's all about thinking again, rethinking. He holds uh, all kinds of things I love to listen to. And I also love Maya Shankar, who's a behavioral scientist. I could listen to her talk all day long. She's fascinating. Ooh, She's very cool. I like this. All yes. right. And our last question, what is the last information rabbit hole that you went down? Maybe it was YouTube. Maybe it was Wikipedia. Maybe it was Reddit. But you pulled on a string and it took you somewhere. Blake. This is so vivid. I was on YouTube a few nights ago where I shouldn't have been. And I ended up watching a 20 minute video of a grade six field trip of children watching a cow give birth to a calf. <laughs> Excellent content. Excellent. I, love, I love that you went there. Bex, what about you? <laughs> Uh, I watched a fascinating YouTube video and then that led to like 30 more in the same series um, all about uh, one of the top like CIA disguise agents and like how she would go about building disguises like during the Cold War and stuff. And then then it was like a whole series on like people who are experts in their field and like how they did the thing that they are an expert at. It was fascinating. Was this Wired's technique yes, critique yeah, yeah. series? Yeah. One yeah. of my favorite series. So the woman you're talking about, I the CIA it. woman was is uh, was Tony Mendez's wife Thank who bet Flick played in Argo. Uh, it's a fascinating series. Highly recommended. Eric Singer, the dialect coach in that series is phenomenal. Uh, you've got surgeons, you've got morticians, you've got lawyers. Obviously that's one of my favorite rabbit holes uh, to go down. I feel like my cow video didn't get much love, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, Elia. Um, so there's, we do a lot of hiking around here and there's a place that we love called Starved Rock. Um, I did not know until I was on Netflix a couple weeks ago that there's actually a very famous historical murder that happened at Starved Rock. And it was a did he do it kind of thing. The guy was like 70, 80, 90 years old or something. He just got released from prison. 
And the documentary was famous, which sent or which was amazing and sent me on a rabbit hole for days because we were literally like took photos, happy photos in the canyon where they found the bodies. It was (laughs) blew my mind. Okay. Oh, I, I had no so idea you were into murder. We should talk about that after. See, now Love it's going to be business, potty training, and murder. And murder. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. All right. Thank y'all so much for being here. If people want to connect with you or find you, where can they go? Blake, where are you at? Instantconnecting.com. There's some fun videos there. Instantconnecting.com. We'll hang out there. Perfect. Elia. Um, nowhere, but the best place is uh, Instagram at Hey Elia. It's which is H E Y E L I Y A. There you go. Bex. Uh, Instagram, my personal one is at Bex Bikes. That's all travel and baby related, or my business one um, at McKnight Designs. Awesome. And we'll be sure to link all of those in the show notes. Y'all, thank you so much for hanging out, sharing the wisdom, sharing the fun, sharing the philosophy in this beautifully remixed world. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you on the next episode of Nikki Talks. Thanks so much for listening to the Nikki Talks podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. If you want to hang out with me on Instagram, you can find me at Nikki underscore McKnight, M-O-C, or my website at McKnightOC.com. 